Before we get into today's game scoop, let's take a moment for a shout out to our sponsor, Squarespace. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. Whether you're just starting out or managing a growing brand, Squarespace makes it easy to create an awesome website, connect with your audience, and sell anything all in one place, all on your terms. With Squarespace, you can easily sell custom merch and create a passive income stream. You design your products, and production, inventory, and shipping are all handled for you, saving you time and money. You can sell your products in an online store. Whether you sell physical, digital, or service products, Squarespace has the tools you need to start selling online. Use insights to grow your business, learn where your site visits and sales are coming from, and analyze which channels are most effective. Improve your website and build a marketing strategy based on top keywords or most popular products. Ready to get started? Head over to squarespace.com gamescoop for a free trial. And when it's showtime, use our special promo code gamescoop to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Who among us doesn't enjoy a good mystery? And especially when solving it means that I get to bring out my competitive side, even if it's just me against the clock, I just can't wait to uncover all the secrets. So June's Journey is a game that is completely up my alley, and I think you'll love it too. In June's Journey, a hidden object mystery game, you play as June Parker, who's on a quest to solve her sister's murder and uncover her family's many secrets. Each chapter brings you deeper into the story, and it's set in the Roaring Twenties, so beyond uncovering clues, you get to experience the glitz and glamour of the time. June's Journey is definitely not a game I play mindlessly, which I love because I get genuinely invested, and a lot of it is a race against time, so there's a little fun added pressure of trying to find the clues as quickly as you can in each scene. There are also tons of ways to customize the island that you're on, learn more about the characters, and then new chapters are added weekly, so you really can't run out of things to explore. So if you think you're up to solve this case, download June's Journey for free today on iOS or Android, or play on PC through Facebook games. June needs your help, detective. What's up, everybody? Welcome to IGN GameCube. I'm your host, Damon Hatfield, the real Damon Hatfield. And joining me this week is Tina Amini. Hi, everybody. Hopefully my the... mic is better. <laughs> Sounds better. The real Justin Davis. Scoop. And Sam Claiborne. We can see the mic, so it must be better. Exactly. That's key here. <laughs> it's, it's a visual aid. And we've got a great show for you this week. We're going to talk a lot about Ghosts of Tsushima, which uh, three-fourths of us have been playing We're going to talk about how younger gamers approach 20 questions a little bit differently than we're used to. But first, yeah, surprise topic. But first, I have to show off my new Godzilla shirt. I think it's so cool. It's uh, the movie poster for Godzilla versus Space Godzilla. Okay. Who won? You even have to ask. (laughs) The bottom half, the bottom half is all tie dye. What's H-U-F? Yeah, it was... I was wondering what was happening with the sleeve situation. It's a skate brand, uh, so they they have like a, a partnership with Toho to do a, a line of uh, Godzilla stuff. The bottom half of the whole thing is tie dye and yes. the sleeves. Yeah. Okay. I thought you were wearing like a tie dye long sleeve shirt under it, but now I see. Did you know that tie dye clothing has become quite the trend in the quarantine? Oh, it has. Kingo's <laughs> wearing a whole tie dye outfit today. Ooh, now, yeah, now I gotta know. see. I have a friend who started an Instagram just with, you know, tie-dye stuff recently. And I was like, still looks like tie-dye. Tina, it looks like the paintings behind you. That's right. Yeah. What a nice collaboration we have here. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. That's enough nonsense. Let's get down to business. (laughs) But that'll get people to turn into the video episode. That compelling gold (laughs) content. 
That's how uh, that's how Damon transitions every segment in yeah. GameScoop. <laughs> Talking about his clothing uh, options. That's uh, nonsense. <laughs> he says that to me just during the day frequently. Mm-hmm. That's true. Yeah, because Sam is only communicating in um, edited video game game over screens now. <laughs> that's, uh, that's, that's, that's the real thing I've been doing. There's not. There's a generator that generates game ending screens, but you can put in your own text. Yeah, and uh, that is my only form of communication. I've settled on. Ooh, yeah. Damon, I think you need to do transitionary topics on Scoop from now on using those as like nice visual yeah. aids. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty good. We'll yeah, see just write the or the hat. We still have the hat as a backup. That's true. Always have the hat. Uh, okay, let's talk about what we've been playing. Uh, I know uh, at least Sam and Tina and I have been playing Ghost of Tsushima. Uh, just the, the review, or IGN's review came out this week. Got a nine from uh, Mitchell, and everybody seems to be uh, really, really enjoying it. I know I am. Is that also true for uh, both of you? It was hands down, like, got to be the most gorgeous game I've ever played. It's very wow. pretty. It's very pretty. I mean, there's just there's fireflies everywhere. Oh they're God, like little fire. butterflies flapping around. The attention to detail is amazing. But like even when you're walking over yellow, pe- like yellow leaves from mm-hmm. from like falling from the trees, you can see they're like sweeping up behind you and they go faster mm-hmm. as you run faster. It's just it really is amazing to look at. Um, Sam and I were talking about this at some point off scoop. Uh, and Sam mentioned like it's such a bummer when it's nighttime because you don't mm-hmm. get to see all of uh, all of this like loveliness in all its glory um but yeah the thunderstorms are really cool but a sunny day really really makes things amazing in that game and then there's these moments where you're like i i mean they set when you go into a story they set the time for that and that's i think like a trick they're using because sometimes you're like in the the golden forest area and everything's like autumn looking because you know it's like all seasons at once in that game somehow and uh, and uh, you, the sun is like as big as the screen, just gold, and everything is silhouetted in it. It's just like it's unbelievable, but it's still an open world game, and that'll just happen naturally while you're moving around. But yeah, it's like the thing with, that Breath of the Wild did, which I thought was really cool, which it does well, is the wind. Like like yep. when you're in these grassy plains, the wind looks amazing sweeping through them, and, and there's giant fields of flowers. And you keep on thinking like, oh, that's probably going to be the most beautiful place in the game. And then they one up it with like another field of flowers that has some like cool rocks in it or something. Or they have like a swarm of like starlings that is the most realistic depiction of a a swarm of birds I've ever seen in my in in games in any way. It just looks incredible. You know what's cool? All three of those elements that you mentioned are also gameplay elements. The birds, the flowers and the wind. The wind. Yeah. I actually really like that they use the wind uh, to tell you where to go. Yeah. It's just Although, a really cool mechanic. Yeah, it's really windy in my Tsushima, though, because I'm just constantly like, wait, what direction? Oh, yeah. Wait, am I going the right oh, yeah. way? Wait, how's it going? Right. <laughs> yeah, my hair is a total mess in the game. <laughs> <laughs> it's just miserable. It should be a nice summer, fall, maybe autumn or spring day, but it's just a little bit chilly because of that wind. Exactly. Uh, yeah, I'm playing it coming immediately coming off of uh, Last of Us Part 2, so it's a little bit interesting uh Comp- you know, playing those games one after the other because Last of Us Part Two was really like uh, shooting for the stars and trying to do so- get, do something different, give you uh, an original experience, play with the way uh, narratives work in games, play with your expectations, trying to do all this new stuff. Whereas Ghost of Tsushima, I feel like is just a very traditional open world action game, which isn't a knock against it at all. I just feel like it's like the AAA open world action game refined to perfection. Yeah, it's honestly the breath of fresh air that I was hoping for following The Last of Us. 
Exactly. That kind of air. Thank you. Breath of fresh wind. (laughs) Breath of fresh wind. Um, Because, I mean, aside from all the stuff about like The Last of Us being this really like dark and brutal world that depicts humanity in such a like depressing perspective. Yeah. um, Ghost of Tsushima is pretty much the opposite of that in a lot of ways. Um, But I like like I'm going really slowly through the main story beats, actually, because I love the side quests and the side quests all give you something different, um, level you up in different ways. Or you can get legendary armor and weapons uh, with some of the uh, specific side quests. Um, So I I just love like being in the world and spending as much time as possible searching everywhere and like looking for all the little elements of the story that are living in these tiny pockets as opposed to The Last of Us, which is just this like grand, big cinematic experience. Also, though, um, you use triangle really dominantly in The Last of Us for like access points, um, like opening doors or whatever. And then in uh, Ghost of Tsushima, (laughs) you have to use R2. So I have definitely accidentally hacked the hell out of my poor horse trying to mount it. (laughs) Which which horse did you pick? Or jumped off the horse. I picked, yeah. um, I picked the white horse uh, and I named him Nobu for trust. So there are like three three horses that you get to choose from. I have a black horse named Kage. That's exactly what I have. <laughs> How cute. Um, I, I, you know, aside from the beauty of the game, I, I think there's a little bit of like what Damon was saying, like what what's an open world RPG that it's going for. Like it is trying to, it's more like Assassin's Creed than anything else. But I, I personally like it better than Assassin's Creed. I think it's mm-hmm. like a, uh, because I like the sword combat where I'm at now, it's been frustrating for a very long time, but now I have like these multiple stances I'm switching through and it's really fun. I found the way that I like to play, which is rolling a lot and dodging mm-hmm. instead of parrying, which I would just suck at. I'm just so bad at that. And yeah. I'm bad at that in fighting games too. I always knew like I'd play friends and once they got good at blocking in like Street Fighter 2, I'd be like, well, I can't play anymore. I just don't like it. I'm out. I just don't like it. It's not my thing. And so I'm, I've never been good at it. So there's that. And But like I'm in a, a, a place now where all I do is just do like exploration and I'm just uncovering the whole map. And that's like, that's all I want to do. I want to see the crazy like fantasy envi- environments that they built uh, that are just artistic and cool. Uh, I get a little bit annoyed with the side quests are a little boring. And then the main quests are just like, they're fine. And I just really like the world, but that's enough for me for this game. I'd recommend it just based on that alone. Yeah. I'm, I'm super enjoying it. I actually have a couple of questions about the game that maybe you two can help. Uh, how often should I be changing my stance? Yeah. So you're going to get four stances right now. I have two. Yeah, and so the one you just got is super helpful because it blocks uh, or it gets you to counter uh, shield guys, right? Yeah. And you get a spear spear counter, and then you get a big guy counter, like the okay. the heavies. And so, like you just you're just doing it all the time because you're in a crowd and you're just like, okay, take care of the shield guys. <laughs> the, the other guys prepping an attack. Switch to your spear, hack them. But before you do any upgrading and all that, and I would do a bunch of side questing and just mm-hmm. upgrade your katana a lot. Like okay. if it's really strong, then you have then those make more sense because you have time to kill the enemy instead of like doing a little damage and then having to switch over again while the enemy recovers because somebody stabs you from, from the side. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, I'm I'm a little biased because I like the um water stance quite a bit because I feel like so the water stance is for shielded enemies. You're right, and then the wind stance is for um enemies with uh, spears. spears. Mm-hmm. But I find that the water stance works perfectly well against them too. And I noticed I prefer, that too. I like really prefer my system where I hold triangle to do my heavy. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and then I do the, what is it? The, the triangle and circle one that I forget what it's yeah, called. Yeah. The, there's like, like a special one. attack that uses a, a, a thing that it just kind of breaks their, their defense. You'll get exactly. it in a little bit. Yeah. And yeah. that goes with, for the spear breakers too. So I find it pretty oh, effective and I've mm-hmm. been pretty dominant with just the, the water stance. With the spear stance, you can unlock the best thing, uh, which is kicking people, which means <laughs> you can lead people to the top of clicks and kick them off, which is of course the best Assassin's Creed yeah. move. It's just, it's so for funny sure. to do that. Uh, my other question is, is there any way to recover from bleeding out? Yeah, you have to upgrade for that one. Okay. But honestly, okay. I spent so much of my um, skill upgrades on resolve and health um, and then separately on armor, too, that like I I decided it would be a waste of a skill point. I'll save it for last, especially when gotcha. they force you to put skill points in those damn ghost weapons. I only want two out of the four. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, Justin, uh, is uh, Tsushima on your two playlist? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just wanted to be clear that like I'm only not speaking up because I didn't get one of the staff copies. I'm going to be buying it and playing it along with the public. I, you know, love Assassin's Creed games, and I really like the feedback that this is in some ways more Assassin's Creedy than you know even Odyssey was. Although I do love Odyssey for what it is too. So, um, have it preloaded. Really, really excited okay. to play, um, but just haven't had a chance to dive into it yet. Yeah, it is. Would you say it's on your Sue playlist? Oh my god. Uh, <laughs> um. <laughs> All right, Justin, are you looking for mostly going stealth or are you going full samurai uh, I'll be, approach? I'll be a stealth boy for sure. Yeah. I feel, like, I feel like there's less of an emphasis on stealth than we were led to believe. I don't know yeah. if Santino would agree. Yeah, so that's why I was asking because actually even aside from the emphasis, well, first off, they kind of actively discourage you from it, just kind of culturally speaking, based on the fact that you're a samurai and like all of your yeah, learnings. It's dishonorable. Like, Exactly. So I do wonder <laughs> if someone can play without, because so far nothing has necessitated. No, there's one mission so far that uh, necessitated stealth, actually. Mm. But you don't have to, yeah, like, kill anybody in it. You just have yeah, to right. get to a Sneak. thing without raising mm-hmm. an alarm. So I wonder if you play, if you never stealth assassin somebody, mm-hmm. if, like, because there are narrative moments where you reflect and you're really, like, ashamed about it. Um, so I wonder if you never do that, if you never get those reflective moments, because mm-hmm. the game is kind of like, you shouldn't be doing this. Yeah. But also, it's just kind of finicky. The, the There's whole, systems. like, like quest systems later where you get other weapons, like, you know, that have, like, poison-type things involved with them, and that's, like, even more dishonorable. <laughs> yeah, and so, like, it, it, it is funny. There, there are, like, story beats that are part of it, but, like, I would like to you know what's the what's the full honor playthrough i think that's like a really fun way to play that game if you want to play it that way but it means you like have to like have a standoff like you go to the front gate of somewhere and then you mm-hmm. use this standoff chain thing where you can kill a bunch of the enemies right up front but you're still gonna have a long fight yeah. so i'm gonna like i'm excited to play it and i you know i'm gonna play it i'm gonna probably start uh, not tonight i guess wow i didn't yeah. quite like the week's gotten away from me but um it's uh this might be the last big game i play on the old consoles and like the Mm -hmm. temptation to just wait like even if like next gen upgrade like i'm not expecting some like 4k version of ghosts but like Mm -hmm. the temptation to wait till ps5 is like getting stronger every day so it's like i don't know it's july like this might be the last big one for me yeah it actually um it's the rare game that makes good use of the dualshock 4's touchpad because mm. they use that for the wind you swipe up to make the wind blow and show you where you're going but there's also uh different things happen if you swipe left or right not, you play the yeah, flute you, if you swipe left that's right you bow if you swipe down 
Those yeah. sound made up. <laughs> I know, yeah. Nope. So ever since Pear told us that if you bow yeah. at things, like strange things happen, I've been bowing at so many things. Me Nothing's too. happened yet. He was yeah, like, I didn't come out of this one statue. So I've been expecting like a grand reveal, but nothing yeah. so far. The only one that I found is the frog one after he told me about it. And it was uh, crazy. There was like a stone frog and you go up and you do that. And then like, it just goes ribbit. And like all these frogs just appear out of nowhere. So that's kind of cool. There's kind of fantasy elements because like the world is like fantastical, but also like yeah. rounded in nature. But like, you know, it's fantastic. It's just more beautiful than any nature, you know? And so like, yeah. there's things like that, which have like just edging on, you know, uh, like there's usually, it's funny because the character is all about like an explanation for everything. So like usually the character is like, there's no ghosts in the forest. Let me go check it out. Like that's the plot of like so many parts of that game. But then sometimes like frogs hop out of like, you know, the ether and tackle you. And so I don't know what his explanation for that is. (laughs) Not to make this podcast entirely about ghosts of Tsushima. um, But one other thought that I had was um, it's such a nice reprieve. Like we talked about the last of us as kind of like, I think maybe the first big game since we went into quarantine. Yeah. Um, and so I was like, oh, like a weirdly timed game to be playing in this kind of environment. But Ghost of Tsushima is so vastly different. Like, obviously, there are some dark themes. There are some dark characters um, and some struggles that you have. But given how gorgeous it is and how, like, powerful you feel, it's the perfect kind of game right now. It's, it feels great to, like, end the workday and just roll right into playing that game. Yeah, and I know sure. we don't want to talk about uh, single games all day, but if you want to hear Tina talk about a game for an hour and a half, her and Michael Swain did a podcast about Last of Us. It's really good. Yeah, it was fun. Check out. It's called we One Upsmanship, and it was, I think, from last week, and it was a great listen. Thanks, Sam. Yeah, cool. <laughs> Justin, what have you been playing while you wait for a ghost? It's I, some weird stuff. Um, <laughs> no, my daughter is six. Weird and, stuff. Um, yeah, oh <laughs> well, I never. I feel like I'm. I always have like weird answers when we yes. when we go over what we're playing. I play all the normal AAA games, but like it's always off cycle. Um, Someone needs to represent. I uh, well, we my daughter's six, and um, y- you know, for as much as video games are a part of my life, they're actually not a huge part of her life because we don't do a lot of screen time. And even when we did try to play video games, um, she couldn't quite handle the controls or like understanding where to go or what to do, or just you know wasn't really quite old enough yet. And I'm not trying to push it on her, but something has clicked and she got really really into mario odyssey and so her and i played through we played through the whole game she she beat it um last week uh so the the first video game she beat and i took a cute video and the credits were rolling um did you use the assist mode is that like the key to this yeah the assist mode is great even with assist mode so mario odyssey is incredible it's a 10 out of 10 game but it's actually not very six-year-old friendly like there's a lot of reading and like ha- like that that game's kind of a puzzle game. Like mm-hmm. you have to figure out like the little trick. I was trying to explain to her. I'm like, explore suspicious areas, and if you see something <laughs> that's suspicious, like try to throw your hat at it or like you know stop Mario. But like it's not like a running left or right game. And so once she got over that hump, she had a lot of fun. Do you just and like we- over your shoulder be like, did you throw your hat at it? And she's like, oh <laughs> yeah, okay, I'll try that. And then by the end, when I say she beat it, like I did, I think I did the entire end. Um, it's too, you know, it's too intense and too much. But like her and I went through it together, and it was very wholesome and cute. Yeah, um, the ending segment is where Bowser's like running after you and breaking a bunch of stuff. Yeah, that and that Bowser, even- the Bowser fight, and even before that, you go through Bowser's kingdom. Um, and then playing through it with her, that made me want to replay it because that game has um, eight hundred and eighty power moons in it. And like I got, you know, I got however many. Crazy yeah. that it's not an even number. I hate that. Yeah, <laughs> I think I collected like six hundred when the game came out, and so I started it over. And I'm, I'm, I'm gonna try to hundred percent it. I think I'm at, I think I'm at eight hundred moons now. Um, wow. 
So I'm getting there. Uh, that's what I've been playing in my off hours. So I played through it twice with her and by myself. Wow. Um, a pro. And she, like, not to get, like, too personal, but I think, like, a lot of kids, she sort of gets in this mood of, like, I can't do it. Like, she's learning to read and learning to write. And she's like, this is hard for me. I don't know what to do. I can't do it and gets frustrated. And Mario has actually been really good. It's helping build up her confidence. I'm like, you know, this is hard. And, sc- like, the bosses are intimidating even if mechanically they're not that hard, like they're shouting at you and it's spooky and scary. And like her building up her confidence of like, I can do this and I can win. And it's been really interesting to see that sort of transfer over into like, I feel like she has more confidence in other parts of her life now that she's like able to overcome these tricky challenges in a video game. So hmm. it's, it's been really cool. What she wants to know what's, uh, yeah, it's exactly, I'm not exactly sure. We have overcooked. So I was thinking about trying that. Yeah. If you want to um, just kind of take down the bonding level you've had a few <laughs> matches. Just matter. You're not chopping up that <laughs> lettuce fast enough. Um, no, I'm actually, I, uh, you're, the what's next question is, I, I, I'm not sure because she's asking me that too. Like, what, what should we play next? I'm like, mm, I don't know. I need to think about it. Um, what about Mario World? Uh, well, we have um, new Super Mario Brothers on the Switch too. So, yeah. you know, we might show her a 2D Mario next. Um, mm. I don't know what she would think about Mario World. Maybe I'll try that. I was going to say Mario Party should be on the list. Maybe an eventual Ooh, one. That's good. When they're both old enough. And then, yeah. then there's and you're the real have to play so family much. breaking. <laughs> yeah, she, <exactly>. plays, <laughs> she, she also plays a lot of Ring Fit. And she's the farthest. Everyone in my house plays Ring Fit. And she's the farthest one along. And her favorite thing to do is to like mosey in and be like, oh, yeah, I already did that. <laughs> I already beat, I'm already like two lands ahead of you, Dad. I'm like, okay. <laughs> okay. Um, so yeah, that's that's mainly what I've been playing. I also played through Baldur's Gate, the original. Yeah, wow. I saw the three, the Baldur's Gate three preview, and that made me. What do you mean you back. played through it? You you did start to finish? Yeah, yeah. Wow. Um, Preparing for three. Yeah. Uh, just real quick, what I like about that game is how weird it is. Um, mm-hmm. it's a lot of wandering around in the woods. Um, you don't get to the city of Baldur's Gate till the end of the game. Like it's really. You just you just wander around and like you just meet people and like sometimes you meet like a stargazer and he's like, Oh, I'm looking at the stars to like predict the future and you're like, Oh, can you tell me my future? And he's like, No, fuck off. And then that's it. <laughs> like you don't ever talk to him again the rest of the game. And like it's really unpredictable like what's gonna turn into a quest and what's gonna turn into like fun dialogue and what's just like a random one off thing. Like it keeps you on your toes more than I think modern RPGs do, which I think are a little bit more formulaic in a lot of ways. So Baldur's Gate three is being made by Larian, which is mm-hmm. the Divinity Original Sin folks. Who made yep. the first one? Uh the Black Isle team. Or not Black Isle what do you call it? The uh the team that made all those Infinity Engine games. Um let's see. Is it? I, 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 I thought it was somebody like Obsidian or uh, Bioware or something like that. It was Bioware, my bad. And Black Isle was the company that was making um, what Fallout at the time. Now I'm getting oh, these yeah. computer RPG yeah. companies mixed up. <laughs> yeah, mm. it happens. Um, I've also been playing Bloodstained: Curse of the Moon too, which is great. Just a ten, so have I. <laughs> What's that? Uh, this just in, so have I. Oh, well, cool. Awesome. Yeah. Um, I love it. It's awesome. I've got all four characters now. I think it's such a cool mechanic to be able to switch between characters on the fly, use characters to get to different areas, but then, you know, uh, once their health is up, you lose a life and you only have the other three left. I think that's all really cool. And I Sam, just, I don't know, but... Go ahead. I don't know about you, but I think it's one. Of the, it's cool that one of the characters uh, uses a pistol with infinite ammo. Mm-hmm. 
it's really amazing. There's like a snipe. It's like, a, it's, you know, for people who, who don't know this game, it's a, it's, it's made by Igarashi who made Symphony of the Night, but this is like an 8-bit Castlevania, which he didn't work on. So he's making these 8-bit Castlevania games. They look so cool. They look like Shovel Knight. They have, you know, too many colors to actually be 8-bit and et cetera, et cetera. But they're so, so pixel art uh, enhanced. It's really, really cool. And, uh, and as Damon was saying, you can switch between four characters. One of them is a Corgi. Yep. And the Corgis in a mech suit just unlocked yeah. that character. It's really funny. Uh, but yeah, there's like this this one like sniper character where it's like if you can k- picture any level in Castlevania with like the annoying skeleton going back and forth and then throwing a bone like that. Those enemies, every enemy in Castlevania is in this game. They're just skinned differently. And so yeah. those are in there. And like imagine being able to just be like, it's like Indiana Jones in it, like pulling out a gun and just yeah. like shooting it. Like you're not, you, know, you have your whip and you're like, how am I going to deal with this guy? You're just like, bam, it's the best thing. Um, but uh, it is really funny how much Castlevania is in this. Like, I just got to a part where the stupid swans with the flea men from Castlevania yeah. One are. Uh, yeah. In this game, it's just like whatever. It's like a you know a griffin with like a, a sea hag <laughs> or something, and they just change it. It's like a complete copy. It's so funny. Yeah, it's but, good. Um, it actually wasn't Igarashi, uh, his team that that makes the uh, Curse okay. of the Moon uh, spinoff. They hire Any Creates, uh, which right. is a uh, Japanese, like basically a retro game ha- uh, farmhouse uh, mm-hmm. formed by former Capcom employees in 1996. And we actually, the reason I bring this, this all up is because we got an email about Curse of the Moon 2 this nice. week from Mike in Toronto. He says, Bloodstained Curse of the Moon or Circle of the Moon 2 recently came out. It is excellent. Surely a Damien <laughs> game if there ever was one, perhaps a Clavy or even a Justy game as well. <laughs> Playing through this game made me realize that the developer, any creates, can do no wrong for me. From the 8-bit Mega Man revivals a decade ago to Blaster Master Zero, the Bloodstained games, and more, I find myself thoroughly satisfied with their output. I'd be interested to know what developers you guys have complete faith in. What mm. studio's ability and output means a guaranteed buy from you. I yeah, didn't realize it, they did uh, Blaster Master. They did Blaster Master Zero, 1 and 2. What a record. They, they did Mega Man Zero, 1 through 4. They did Mega Man 9 and 10. Wow. Yeah, they're just like an awesome developer. Uh, but yeah, are there any developers like you guys just you hear they're making a new game? You just, you're already on board. There used to be, but they're gone now. <laughs> like I used to be really excited about retro, but the people that made the games I liked at retro are not at retro anymore. That's the problem with yeah. a, with a, a name or a brand without its creatives. Like game, so many people come together to make games that I kind of have to follow the people. And yeah. I think that's the right thing to do. But sometimes that there's that magic team, which makes a bunch of things together and then they split up and they go make other amazing things. Yeah, I used to feel that way about Rare. Oh yeah, yeah exactly. And now they're um, everywhere. But I mean, it's it's such an obvious answer, funny. but like, your like favorite joke there. Uh, I did. I missed it. Joke. It was a rhyming joke. <laughs> um, Nintendo EAD, right? Like the worst Mario and Zelda game are still so much better than you know almost anything else that's mm-hmm. ever been made, and like, and they've really figured out like the thing that I love most about modern day Nintendo is like how they pay homage to the old while still like pressing forward and presenting a new vision for like what Mario or Zelda could be or should be like they strike the perfect balance between being contemporary and nostalgic. And um, I just have total faith in like, you know, like they're never going to make a bad game. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, or at least not in the foreseeable future, as long as the current crew is together. I was going to say that, but then I thought about like, what if they made Wii music? (laughs) (laughs) sure what if i don't know i don't know i'll have to look that up. yeah they're I, so consistent i was gonna say and maybe sam would agree with me is digital eclipse 
I was just going to bring that up. That's really funny. So Digital Eclipse, we like because they have this really high standard for reissuing games. So that's who did the Aladdin and Lion King package. And uh, they, they just like and the, uh, the Disney Afternoon collection, which I loved. Mega Man uh, Legacy collection. Yeah, and the Mega Man Legacy collection. It's just like, that's really cool, right? Because they found their niche and they're so good at that. And I think that's great. Really yeah, I think it's a good point that um, it's often the like lead creatives that you follow rather than necessarily a company. And then there are the obvious answers where there is like, you, you know, whoever the lead creative is on a project at a company like Naughty Dog or um, Rockstar, like the no brainer ones where you know that it's just a whole host of lots of really good talent to where you're going to get such specific level of detail out of literally everybody who's working on every angle of a game. Um, but I guess my unique one might be Remedy. I've just sort of like always mm-hmm. loved the wacky brain direction of those games yeah. and like how fa- like how drastically fantastical they can be and also with a lot of darkness without coming across too heavy-handed at all times with that darkness no that's really good that's a really good choice i like that hmm. remedy is control yeah and uh alan wake yeah quantum break exactly. mm-hmm. yeah, yeah some- I guess there's always outliers as your list yeah. uh, kind of indicates. But yeah, I think that for the most part, right. there's like a specific I, direction of the way they think about games that is really yeah. unique to me. I don't think Quantum Break was a bad game by any means. It was an interesting experiment. Yeah, interesting experiment. It's a good way to describe it. <laughs> I used to feel the way about Bioware. I guess there's a lot, like Sam, said. Yeah. There's a lot yeah. like Sam said that I, I that I used to always think of as a guaranteed day one buy for me. But yeah, for me, when they existed. That would have been like Blizzard. Or like, you know, I still think some of the criticism of Blizzard is a little overblown. Like, if you look at their output, like, it's incredible. But they're not a they're not a home run anymore. We're like, it used to be like, whatever they do, I'm there day one. Yeah. Yeah. All right, let's move on. Uh, after many, many leaks, Far Cry 6 was officially uh, revealed by Ubisoft over the weekend. Um they chose to sort of reveal that game with the reveal of the villain because they have an amazing actor playing the villain, Giancarlo Esposito from uh, Breaking Bad, Better Call Saul, The Mandalorian, so much else. What was uh, everyone's like first impression about Far Cry 6? I'm a huge Far Cry fan, as everybody knows. I reviewed 5 and New Dawn for IGN. Uh, I, it's funny, you talk about uh, uh, developers that are like, uh, you're, you're guaranteed day one by. Uh, there are also certain game series that people think about that way too. And uh, just hearing that there's another Far Cry on the way, even though we don't know anything about it, I know that I'm already on board. That, that first trailer, despite all the leaks that kind of took yeah. a lot of its momentum out, like I feel like they were hoping that Giancarlo Esposito reveal was going to be a really big one, especially because his face doesn't really clearly show up, even though you can tell from his voice, his face yeah. doesn't clearly show up until the end. And they had to like t- take that clip and put it on Twitter when it was revealed that yeah. he was yeah. going to be in the game. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> I really liked Damon, your uh, interview with him. Um, it was, uh, really in, like a good insight into the character and the villain, which like Damon, you noted that Far Cry has always kind of been about its front stage villains. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Giancarlo Esposito said something really nice about like, he initially like kind of, uh, cringes at 
playing villains. Like he doesn't want to be um, this kind of like vilified uh, typecast actor, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he said that it was more about creating a human being rather than necessarily like a cartoonish kind of villain. And I think that's really cool about the Far Cry series is that there's so much depth to those characters um, that there's something either at least charming about them, if not in John Carlo Esposito's uh, uh, on, for his character's perspective, maybe even something redeeming. Cause it seems like they're mm. setting it up in that way where like, there's a lot of uh, different avenues to his, his uh, villainy. That's not really expressed as this like black and white kind of hero um, versus villain structure. Mm-hmm. So that was really enticing. I have this thing that I'm starting to develop a theory about Ubisoft and how it DB's games that I just don't like. And I, I don't like how they do a big story thing. And then they show uh, a little bit of gameplay. Uh, and believe me, I'll, I'll expand on this uh, with, with uh, and then they, they just never show the thing I want to see, which is like kind of like just somebody like going through what the game is like uh, outside of the things that they think will impress us. Like, cause I'm impressed actually by the open worlds and like, I mm. want to see like, what setting is this in and stuff like that. And I want to see like, where is this far? Like, where is this far cry set is the most interesting question to me. And people are saying like, Oh, it's like kind of a Cuba like thing. Well, like mm. show me what that looks like. Like, I really want to see what that looks like. And uh, they did the same thing just now with Assassin's Creed and it pissed a bunch of people off. They're like, okay, get big gameplay reveal. Now this is just a, this is just a cinematic big gameplay reveal. No, they're just showing a kind of like, uh, you know, 10 nice screenshots rotating. Like, <laughs> like, why are we doing like this? Like, show me, show me that vertical slice, even if that's, you know, a bull shot of some level. But uh, I really, I mean, obviously the, the acting and, and how this, this unfurled was like actually really entertaining. I watched, I was kind of riveted while I was watching it, but I have no idea if I'm going to want to play this game or not. Sure. There's, uh, yeah. there's no, not that many open world FPS games. And so Far Cry occupies sort of a specific niche for me that I always, you know, they come out infrequently enough that like I'm on board. I'm like you, Damon. They're just sort of like auto purchases. Like don't even really need to think about it. Although I was a little bummed out by five. So (laughs) maybe I do need to think about it somewhat, but like that loop that you've talked about many times of just like, I'm going to scout out an outpost outpost and to mark everybody and then maybe release a bear. Maybe I'll get a rocket launcher. Maybe I'll strap some C4 onto a Jeep. Like that yeah. freedom that they give you. Um, it's one of those formulas that like feels very, very obvious, but like actually isn't replicated that well or that successfully by games that aren't Far Cry. They continue to kind of do it best of breed. So mm-hmm. yeah, like that's that's really just clearing out outposts. That's all I care about. Yep. I've, I've always said... Go ahead, Dan. Sorry. I was just going to say, I've always said they should just make Far Cry outposts. And yeah. I play the heck out of that game. Yeah, like it's it's pretty true that Far Cry is established enough that you can sort of know what to expect. Um, and then, Sam, <clears> I was thinking about uh, what you were just saying. There's a, this different level of marketing these days. And I was thinking about Giancarlo Esposito. And then I was thinking about Keanu Reeves and then Norman Reedus. Um, just about some of the higher profile celebrities that have been appearing in games these days. And I think like the association with this like cinematic experience or whatever else has become such a high priority. And it used to be like, Oh, this is a somewhat well-known name who happens to be doing a, you know, VO for this game. And now it's, here's a huge name and they're a primary character uh, in this game. So it's supposed to be kind of competitive against the rest of the entertainment industry. Hmm. Um, And I was thinking about how prominent that's become. So I guess like that first big beat has to be what's the big, powerful, splashy thing 
especially for AAA studios, like what's the big splashy thing that you're going to have to offer? How much money did you put into this game that I can directly <laughs> see um, so that I know what I'm paying for is of value as well? Um, so it's a little bit about that uh, and a little bit about like Far Cry being a bit of a known quantity. Uh, and then the other thing was uh, we did a breakout interview with the narrative director on the game and it gave a little bit of a tease of something that might be unique to gameplay for Far Cry 6, uh, which was the team had apparently gone to Cuba for like a month, which side note is like a really cool thing for game developers to be able to do. Like they just go and embed and learn about history and about different cultures and stuff to be able to put that into their games. Um, so super cool that they got to do that. But they went there and they saw that like people were doing a lot of like DIY makeshift things. And so there's a screenshot where there's clearly like a laser pointer just kind of attached to a gun uh, to create like a sniper level experience, uh, I suppose. Okay, so it yeah, seems like, it. like, yeah. So it seems like there's going to be this kind of maybe crafting ability where you go and just pick up items from around the world and they're able mm -hmm. to combine it in a variety of ways to, you know, elevate your, your weaponry. That makes yeah. sense. That that aligns with some of the other things they've shown that are like the kind of the Cuba flags, which are like, uh, you know, really old uh, cars that are kept running in contemporary settings. Like that's like a very, you know, like that's like a very uh, classic way to indicate Cuba because that, I mean, that's true. It's like a, a lot of the tech there is, you know, keeping up in some ways, but also just like recycling the old tech in a lot of other ways. There's a lot of countries like that. Vietnam's like that too. It's really, really cool. Like, so I think that that could be like all part of the aesthetic of the game. Um, that's why it, they show the vintage cars too. And it's like basically, I think the first shot, it's like a vintage yeah, yeah, car yeah. on fire. And then. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Ago. Like that's yeah. the only cars in Cuba. Like they, they yeah. just only have cars from that era and they're kept running now. It's amazing. Um, if you, uh, I was wondering like if the, where did the, the team that made Ghost of Tsushima get to go to kind of think about Japan and how beautiful it was? Because I actually don't know much about the island of Tsushima. And yeah. like, I was wondering if there's ever tourism again, like, is that going to be like a place that's like interesting to go and people might become interested in? It you might be disappointing. Yeah. yeah, I was going to say, you're probably thinking about the level of hot springs that exist in, yeah. in Tsushima in the game. That's all I'm thinking about. <laughs> there's one town that's literally amazing. just a hot spring town. It's, yeah, it's, it's an amazing thing. Yeah. <laughs> And again, in quarantine, I'm like, ah, to live here or just yeah. to exist here even but for a moment. <laughs> yeah, it was actually like relaxing and soothing to like just see these beautiful environments, including hot springs. So it was really, really great. Love it. When when Jin gets in a hot spring, he does not go in but first. He doesn't. <laughs> he goes in but shown. <laughs> but on display there's one scene where i walked into a hot spring and there's just like an older you know woman uh kind of kneeling by it like sort of meditating or whatever else and he just fully strips down oh. walks in and he just starts reflecting on life it's really nice yeah, yeah. yeah she's like don't mind me <laughs> and she's like okay and when he comes out the, the, every hot spring has a like a maple tree and they talk about it at some point i don't know why it's always a maple tree uh, it must have some significance but uh the maple tree like fig leaves his naughty bits right as he comes out each time yeah. it's, very funny. <laughs> it's very witcher 3 mm -hmm. um we've learned a couple more details about far cry 6 since the ubisoft forward presentation uh which are that for the first time since far cry 3 your character is completely voiced You're, mm. There's a voice actress playing your character. Uh, and then also in cutscenes, you're going to see your character. Even though it's a first-person game, you usually never see yourself. In all cutscenes, you'll see, you'll it'll switch to a third-person perspective. So hopefully there's some cool customization stuff happening. Yeah, that was the earliest promise of... Uh, we were doing some research in Cyberpunk, and I was looking at like really yeah. early articles. And um, <laughs> it was like one of the big things is that people were upset that you couldn't see your character in that game. So like, no, no, you're going to be able to see your character in yeah. third-person during cutscenes. 
And then they just took that out. It's like a weird progression to be like, you guys will be fine in first person. Well, that was a, an original complaint around Cyberpunk, too, when it was first shown off yeah. at like an E3 or something many years yeah, ago. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Cyberpunk. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Did I say something else? No, I probably just glossed over okay. that part. <laughs> yeah, she's just tuning you out like you. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> that's a total. I mean, having a voiced and real invisible protagonist is like such an underrated part of three, and like such a critical detail that was missing mm-hmm. from four and five, in my opinion. Like the character you play as in three, like kind of sucks. Like he's kind of an asshole. Like he's a little bit like holding coffee desk, where it's like you're playing as this person that's hard for you to root for, and like contrasting that against Voss, like. I don't know. That just allows them to do interesting narrative things that, uh, you know, I hope that that's kind of what they're going to be exploring in six. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it. It's out uh, next year, early next year, February 18th, I believe. Good Chop offers fully customizable boxes of high-quality meats and seafood delivered to your door on your schedule. Your tasty proteins are vacuum-sealed and frozen at peak freshness, so you can stock your freezer and cook when you're ready. Choose from over 70 high-quality cuts, 100% grass-fed ribeyes, USDA prime filet mignon, free-range and organic chicken breasts, pork tenderloin, and thick-cut bacon, just to name a few. They also offer sustainable and wild-caught seafood, salmon, Pacific cod, scallops, shrimp, and more. My recent Good Chop box included a couple delicious, boneless, 10-ounce ribeye steaks. I also got some Alaskan sockeye salmon fillets that I baked in foil with lemon juice, garlic cloves, and a little parsley. And then there was the thick-cut bacon that I've been baking up for breakfast with my eggs. Saving me trips to the grocery store or butcher means I have more time for important things, like spending time with my family and, of course, playing video games. Go to goodchop.com slash gamescoop120 and use code gamescoop120 to get $120 off across your first four boxes. That's code gamescoop120 at goodchop.com slash gamescoop120 for $120 off. Goodchop.com slash gamescoop120, code gamescoop120. As a podcast network, our first priority has always been audio and the stories we're able to share with you. But we also sell merch. And organizing that was made both possible and easy with Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell and grow at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. They have an all-in-one e-commerce platform and in-person POS system, so wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. With the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. Shopify has allowed us to share something tangible with the podcast community we've built here, selling our beanies, sweatshirts, and mugs to fans of our shows without taking up too much time from all the other work we do to bring you even more great content. And it's not just us. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Shopify is also the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash realm, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash R-E-A-L-M now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash realm. 
Let's check in with the listeners. Hey, listeners. Hey, listeners. Listeners, remember, you can always reach us at the email address, gamescoof at IGN.com, just like Jim Carlson from Cleveland did. He says, I've been stuck in a rut for a while where nothing I play is really scratching my gaming itch. Worse yet, I don't know what that itch is. That got me thinking about TV streaming services uh, and the suggestions they make. Maybe something algorithm-based that looks at your library or even checks your achievements to help work through your backlog. I think Steam may already have something like this, but do you think something like this would be feasible for the next-gen consoles? Mm. It's an interesting idea. Okay. Like, well, uh, first of all, okay. First of all, I think those those recommendations are, are bad. Like, I don't yes. think they're they're good enough. I know people like them and they work for other people, but I'm always like, I, I'm always surprised surprised at, at how silly they are. I do like the combinations of words where it's like, you know, uh, <laughs> hilarious sci-fi horror antics or something like those. Those are <laughs> yeah. cute, but like, I'm not going to choose what I watch based on that. I choose what I watch based on critics and and, and yeah. reading, and that's why I have this job and that's why I work here. I, I don't like the idea of the company trying to sell me the thing, choosing the things that I might like. I just think that's wrong. I don't, okay. I don't trust it. Like There's, algorithms for Netflix, though, aren't necessarily because you're, you're paying for one subscription service. You're not paying individually. So it's really just about here's what you've watched. Here's what other people have watched. Here's what's new. Here's what I'm categorizing um, by certain genres, which like would not work. Like you can't just categorize that way for games. It'd have to be much more extensive and mm-hmm. it would have to incorporate both user reviews and critic reviews. But ultimately, how you would kind of vet what you want to watch based off of a trailer and reviews, I imagine the same structure would work for games so you would need to read those reviews look at some gameplay trailers or whatever else and make a determination based off of that but especially with like subscription services becoming a thing in games like with game pass or something like that i think it makes sense to create a more robust reliable uh suggestion service because you just you want to be making use of your subscription service in that case yeah, the subscription service is motivated to keep you subscribed forever, so they have to, you know, it's in their best interest to keep showing you things that they think you're going to like that maybe you wouldn't know about. I mean, the the, the eye-opener for me was uh, when last summer when I visited my parents um, and we logged on to my mom's Netflix, and her Netflix is completely different than my Netflix. <laughs> like, it was all, like, romance shows and historical shows and, like, weird British... There's always British detectives. It's like, 5,000 British detective shows. Yeah, you, you looked at her browser history. Yeah, exactly. Well, and so, like, <laughs> you know, like, that's... Because I know what Netflix is. Like, I know what that service offers. But, like, she's living in a parallel universe <laughs> with a completely different Netflix than me. And, like, that's how that service gets, you know, however many subscribers it has. 100 million subscribers. Is it that there's not one Netflix. There's dozens of Netflixes based off, you know, the type of person you are and your demographics. And, like, I don't know about video games. I don't know that they're diverse enough to support that level of like we need to show you know sam a completely separate makeup of games than like you know than tina or justin like video games even when they're super different are still like kind of samey like they all fall into like a handful of archetypes um unlike television and movies i would say which are which are more diverse where like there's certain genres of movie where i don't care how well reviewed it is like i'm just i'm just not i'm not interested whereas like any 10 out of 10 game no matter what it is i'll play yeah. Yeah. Although, like, um, I forget what it is, but there's one service because I've been subscribed to all of them for so long, I can't remember which one had the system. But when you first log in and subscribe, uh, they ask you, like, what do you normally like to watch, like comedies or you know action movies? And so, based on what you're selecting, they'll prioritize things that are labeled in that way. And I can totally see, like, 
you know, if I wrote like I want a funny game or I want a short game or I want um, like we actually did a big list of games to play while we're all stuck in quarantine. And we labeled it that way. We labeled it in like a very specific use case where it's like I just want a short, quick experience or I want something where I can get lost in it, spend hours so I don't have to really think about anything else. I think you could probably do categories in that way that would suit either someone's personal style or just their mood, like whatever you're yeah. in the mood to play at that point. Where these uh, where these services really really thrive, and Steam, you know, as the reader uh, Jim, I think his name was, wrote in, um, it uh is in exposing indie games in smaller games. Um, mm-hmm. you know, like if you're really into, you know, shooters on um, on Steam, like it's gonna expose you to like weirder, smaller, you know, just more unusual games. Like if you like this, play this in your discovery queue, and um. And uh, that's that's just invaluable. Like there is not enough shelf space in the world to promote every Steam game, and so to like laser target it at people that like they know that they're going to be interested in is such a boon for smaller creators. Yeah, I, I, I'll re- emphasize again. Like I'm philosophically opposed to having the service making money off of the games recommending you games. I don't think that's that's how you should be picking your games. Even if it's good and it does the right thing, the motivation for that is not the same as a you know, an editorial outlet that's saying like, these are fun games because I'm a person that played a bunch of games and I know about them. That's not their motivation. Their motivation is to get you to either keep subscribing, to buy more games. There's just a lot of different motivations that they have that are not in your best interest. It doesn't say it won't work. That's why. But they're not, they're not saying the game is good. They're just saying, here's something you might be interested in and you have to decide for yourself if you want to check it out or not. They could be throwing in something that have another motivation to put in there that has nothing to do with that. And you'll never know that. Yeah, I mean, if if people are a little bit more transparent about what their algorithm is based off of, especially if they're doing a bit of a survey thing right at the front where it's like, what do you normally like to play? Um, And it's creating a system based off of that, like in a similar experience to where your Netflix might look very different from my Netflix, if it works like that then it's helpful Um, because even for critics, you know, if you're making a list of like, here are the best action games to play or the best action movies to watch, like we're also doing it for a business purpose. We want to get more readers and more views, which ultimately translates to, you know, more of a, uh, a base of our financial operation. So ultimately, you know, kind of all comes back around to that. But I think as long as people are transparent about what the effect of that uh, suggestion services, then it could be really useful, especially considering. And the reason why I was initially saying like it wouldn't work for games as much is because there's so many games. But I suppose there's also lots of indie, you know, movies as well uh, and lots of things across history, across time to catch mm-hmm. up on. So it's yeah. it's kind of the same problem there, too. What I'm saying is the only ethical way to do this is to write Damon and ask for our suggestions of games <laughs> to play, which yep. is absolutely what we do on this show. <laughs> you will tweet them. Yeah. Um, and actually, we're going to do that in a little bit. Uh, I, I was just going to say, I agree with Sam that um, all these a- algorithms that are supposed to be um, suggesting movies and music for us uh, today, I don't think any of them are any good. Uh, Netflix still doesn't understand the type of movies that I, I want to watch in the TV shows. It's always recommending me stuff I have no interest in. Uh, Spotify is really bad. Are insanely bad. Spotify is so bad. Every, I mean, my release radar you know, it comes up every Friday. I can go weeks without there being a single song that I, that I like wow. on there. So they, they, the algorithms are not working quite yet. And like the one on, in the uh, video game ecosystems are especially bad. Like on PlayStation, if you go to the PlayStation store, uh, you're looking for like, you know, games that are uh, hot right now. There's a just for you 
So I clicked on that. And I was like, wow, just for me. PlayStation picked some games just for me. Let's see what right, this is. I'll start oh, with the letter D. Call of Duty Modern Warfare. Well, thank you. The guys at PlayStation really know me. Yeah, so like, you think maybe there could be uh, some reason why that's like maybe slotted manually? That's I think you're exactly right. You just think you're a hardcore gamer, and therefore you would play <laughs> hardcore games like Call of Duty. Yeah, yeah. aren't you Damon? Aren't you hardcore? Yeah. Why don't you not. play Call of Duty? Exactly. It's just a, it's just a bully channel. I have to say though, Spotify Discover, I find at least like at least like five songs a week based on my Monday uh, perusals. It's, it's, it's rare for me. Uh, okay, this is Duncan from St. Clair Shores, Michigan. Uh, and he says, I just bought a new PC. Yay for me. I was wondering if you guys could suggest any RTS or possibly some great tower defense games. Any great PC-only games to get. I'm looking for games that are not on console. What a novel use of an email. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> It's lucky for him. We have an we have an algorithm we can plug him into, right? Gonna yeah. pop out some suggestions. Plug, plug this into the JGBS algorithm. <laughs> yeah, that's really good. Um, I mean, the, saying PC exclusive is like too much. There's too many yeah. to to do. But like, we can narrow it on the RTS and um and uh, and tower defense genres. Um, the first thing I would say is that both of those genres are like not dead but they're not like they're not the popular thing anymore right like that's sort of like i still love them personally so please don't take that as a knock like i still still find and play new ones but it does get a little bit challenging um i would say to look at games like Northguard on steam um and i'm actually not a total war guy but like total war warhammer um is obviously those games are incredibly popular total war three kingdoms um and then uh the I really like to play. Um, I don't know what you would call them. More like town building or simulation games. So they don't necessarily have to have a combat end game. So I play mm-hmm. a lot of games like Factorio or um, or like Banished or like anything where you start from nothing and you have one little building and then you're sort of building up a big civilization in real time and sort of like trying to figure out a way to thrive in this harsh environment. As saying game names because we'll eliminate is, those from twenty questions. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so that, those are those would be some places to start. I think Factorio is like the most underrated game of the last decade. That game's incredible. So what, what's the out. what's the recent sort of uh, town management survival game in this in, in a frozen wasteland? I think that's Northgard. Are you thinking? I think I think Frost is in the name. I want to say uh, I can't remember right now. I'll, there... I'll look. I'll look it up uh, Wait, in a little bit. Frostpunk. Yeah, I was gonna say. Are you thinking of Frostpunk? Maybe it's Frostpunk. Yeah. Anyway, cool. Uh, what about Company of Heroes? <laughs> I haven't played them. I mean, I know they're well liked. I just think they're considered like the uh, the best World War II RTS games of all time. I believe. No StarCraft. Um, oh yeah, well, I mean, there's StarCraft, not World War yeah. II themed. But, um, yeah. In terms of tower defense games, tower defense games, I would recommend Kingdom Rush. Uh, that whole series, even though some of them are, I think, are available on Xbox or other platforms. Uh, another really good one is Dungeon Warfare One and Two. Both really yeah. good. So monster train themed. yeah uh monster train orcs must die um i really like this uh franchise called gemcraft that's been what i like about gemcraft is that uh it started as like a little flash game on like you know armor games or whatever website now they're making yeah. big commercially released you know tower defense games on steam so they're sort of like this holdover from a lost era that's still you know near and dear to me personally all i can think of was how <laughs> how do you like gem apples <laughs> <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.
Um, okay, one more email to get through. This is Yasin. He says, long time listener, first time writing in. Love you guys. Before I ask my question, I think you'd be interested to hear this story. I am a primary school teacher in England. In UK, primary schools run from ages 5 to 11. And yesterday, I played some rounds of 20 questions with my class and thought it would be fun for you to hear some of the questions this new generation thought would be good to ask. For some added context, the children I played uh, this with are ages 10 to 11, old enough to understand the rules of the game. The questions that stuck out to me to me were, can you build? <laughs> that a makes big sense. One. Yeah. Does, does this, Most does of the this, games that are popular right now. <laughs> does this game have victory dances? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, wow. <laughs> one. Is this an old game from like five years ago? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, no. Is is it on iPhone? It would Mm -hmm. ask. Does this game have party chat? Which I thought is a little odd. I think of that as like a console console gaming thing. I'd like Uh, to see him and answer that. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Is there more than one map? Was a good Mm -hmm. one. And then the uh, the last last one is, can you buy packs? Which I guess like <laughs> microtransaction stuff. Yeah, those last two are pretty related too. It, it's it's a fascinating that it's so closely related to the trends. I mean, it makes yeah. complete sense too. I mean, like that's that's their frame of reference for video yeah. games, right? The, uh, fact that, the fact that base building is like thanks to Fortnite is like the most mainstream thing in video games, and like you can draw this direct line from like you know Minecraft to Fortnite to now every PC game. It just makes me so happy. It warms my heart. It's like my favorite thing to do in a game. And now it's like, it's broken through to like the mainstream in this really, really awesome way. And like, now I know that we're going to get a decade of like interesting takes on that. That's just feels very good. Yasin says there were some better questions thrown in after guidance from myself, (laughs) but I thought it was a funny assessment of the types of games the kids are into nowadays and what they perceive to be standard industry-wide game mechanics. The games that popped up frequently were Minecraft, Fortnite, Mario Kart, and Roblox, as well as some mobile games I've never heard of. As for my question, just as some people almost look down on children that only play Minecraft, Fortnite, etc., do you think there were games that we played growing up that meant we were similarly looked down upon? I'm of a similar age to most members of GameScoop. Did the generation older than us think we were lost souls because of the games we were playing and that we weren't experiencing gaming for what it truly was and could be? Because that's what I feel people think about children nowadays. I think we, I think, I think we all sort of grew up with the, you know, the first wave. So there wasn't an older generation to be gatekeeping at us, right? Yeah, that we weren't, no we weren't playing like, the right games. There was no like looking down your nose at like you know Fortnite is considered like uncool if you're still playing it, even though it's still the most popular yeah. game on earth. Like, yeah. I don't, I like the first time I remember that sort of coming up was like the gamer that would buy nothing but like Madden and Call of Duty every year. Then it mm. was like that was like the eye rolly like it's too popular to be cool thing like (laughs) video games are not popular enough for that to be the case that i can recall more recent than like anybody's childhood in this room yeah i think so. that being that trend yeah i think um it was more about at least for me personally especially given my like minimal access to games growing up uh and very like regimented uh supervised access um was like it was more so oh you didn't play that that's more the level of shaming that you'd get like how could you mm. possibly have glossed over this masterpiece of the 90s or early 2000s or whatever it may be i think it's more so along those lines but if i had to pick a game that 
maybe people didn't look down on, but at a point in time, they'd be like, you're still playing that game as World of Warcraft because I played that thing for two years. So that might be too that, long. That was my big example. That's what I wanted to bring up. World of Warcraft? I, I, completely, I completely thought people were lame that played World of Warcraft. Hey. I, I, I couldn't believe it. Like, I thought it was so lame. And like, I, this is, I was a kid. Like, this is a long time ago. Mm-hmm. And I just like, you know, I, I was playing Perfect Dark and like shooters and stuff at the time, like hardcore stuff, you know, which is funny because I don't like that stuff as much now. But like, boy, yeah, I thought like it was like, in, but but it wasn't World of Warcraft at all. It, it was like Second Life was so lame. And like my parents kept trying to get me to talk about it because it was in like every college classroom, but mm-hmm. nobody actually played it. Like there's stuff like that where I, that was where I was like striking, striking me as like, oh, these are sad little communities of losers. And I don't actually think that way. I really don't. But like, that's what I was thinking at the time. And, <clears throat> and I remember that. And when I was a kid, I was also a little snob. And I really thought uh, Ninja Turtles was stupid and mm. He-Man and G.I. Joe and Transformers to some extent. And I like really looked down on kids that like those games and those toys and those properties. Just, oh, that's man. just what I was. That's just that was my thing. We wouldn't have been friends as kids. Well, that's no, we would have because you still like Nintendo and Legos and you know, yeah, there, there's plenty well. of overlap. I was just weird about it. Hmm. I thought yeah, they were right. for some reason. Like, yeah, there's st- there's still sort of that sentiment. Like, there are people, um, not that I'm targeting <laughs> you, Damon, with this, but, like, there are people who think of Animal Crossing as, like, is that even really a game? Like, what yeah. are you actually doing in this experience? And that's sort of the same lines of Second Life, where it's more about an experience rather than, like, a really set, structured level of gameplay, even though technically there is in Animal Crossing. It's just not as apparent or maybe as, like, normalized. I don't know if normalized is the right word there, but mm-hmm. I think you guys know what I'm saying. Well, and then my friends that, that played World of Warcraft had, you know, a life where we play Mario Kart and stuff like that. But they would like opt out of that to play eight hours by themselves with, you know, people online. And I was just like, I was like, I couldn't believe it. Like, I can't believe I couldn't believe like that was the option. And of course, I have different context for that now. Of course, mm-hmm. I know that people found community that way. And it was a good thing and, and all of that. Like, I, I don't don't subscribe, subscribe to that anymore. But I at the time, like thought about it. I was like. Dude, come on, man. You're going to stay home and play World of Warcraft? Like, we're going to the beach. Listen, there's friends yeah. in World of Warcraft, too, you know. You spend yeah. time together. You help yeah. each other get your mounts and all that. The beach is all sandy and scary. You got to talk to people. Exactly. I, just, I just, yeah, it gets everywhere. Uh, I just want to be my, uh, I just want to be my, my dwarf. Mm-hmm. Just hang out in Ironforge. Mm-hmm. You didn't play as a dwarf. Yeah, why? Well, I, I had many, I many had, characters. Yeah, yeah, Sam. I think you had. They had. Everyone had many different characters in World of Warcraft. I was yeah. mostly a. Dwarf. But nobody played as dwarves. I was a dwarf, and his name was his name was Bulb. Bulb. Wasn't that like? A, right. Didn't you have some problem with that name because it was like so short that people targeted it for some reason? I used to. So the way World of Warcraft works is, um, you can just type whatever name you want into the name generator, and then it tells you whether it's taken or not, and you don't know until you try. So I used to try just. I would try like Dave, John. I would just try thousands of names until I got like lucky with like, like I think one of my characters was named Stab just because miraculously like that had never been taken. Yeah. Wow. And that was like, that was like a hobby of mine. Is I would try to squat on like, <laughs> of like really desirable. And there was no shortcut. You just had to try, like, I would just, you know, go try to think of every single word I could think of. <laughs> People used to Pretty sell good. accounts in World yeah. of Warcraft. Yeah. Um, Oh yeah. Okay, 
And that brings us to video game 20 questions. Our suggestion this week comes from Kevin O, and he has provided a normal mode and a hard mode option. I leave it up to you guys. I'm feeling brave. Give us the hard mode. Okay. Hard mode it is. Let the questioning begin. Is there building in this game? (laughs) No. Uh, (laughs) Aww. Are there buildings in this game? Good save, good save. <laughs> he was just saying it in a funny way. Yeah. Um. Oh boy. Uh, do you play as a, a human in this game? Um. Sometimes. Oh. It's an RTS game. Oh, yeah. Sorry, you, we 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 missed that. You know what was that? RTS is it an RTS game or just a strategy it is game? Not. Whoa, whoa. Wait, wait. Which are you asking? Is it a strategy? Well, is it an RTS game? I'm trying to get to the point of you're controlling multiple characters. It is not an RTS game. Because we could oh, use the cheat for that and it'd be really amazing. Does have this, does this, this game have like a have like a god's eye camera perspective? Yeah. Is it like above is it above the action looking down yes. Yes, yes, on yes. what's happening? Yes. Cool. Well, we got to something pretty fast. That wasn't so yeah, fast. Yeah. Say, it's amazing. That, yeah, that narrows it down. But it's not real time. So it's like, you know, it could be, term, it could be like Divinity or something I like that. I think this might be like a sprite-based early game, though. That's why it's confusing to think of that God's mm. Could be. Is this a, is this a party-based role-playing game? Like, do you, do, you, do you control a party of adventurers going on an adventure? Uh, oh no! Oh no! What have I done? Um. Well, let's just say let's say no because it's it's not what, what you're thinking of is not what this game is, and that's five. It sounds like there's a group of characters, and we're co- yeah. a quarter of a way to to failing this. So, uh. is this a, a, a is this a PC game? Uh, is it politically correct? <laughs> no, it's uh, for no, personal computer. No. no, it's not a it's not a PC. Oh, yeah. Is it yeah. a primarily a shooter game? No. I was thinking like twin stick shooter or something. Did this come out on cartridge originally? Yes. Okay. Man. I, okay. I mean, did it come out originally on a Nintendo cartridge? Yes. Maybe that was It'll a be a strategy question. game. Did, did you I, mean? And, yeah, it could be. Yeah, did, did you mean? I bet it's like Godzilla two or something weird for the NES. Did, did you mean a Nintendo game, or did you? Did you mean? I meant. I meant Nintendo made, but okay. I, so yeah. we don't know if it's on the NES yet. No, I don't think so. Is this on? Is this an NES game? No, not an NES game, and that's ten. Uh, and so maybe we need to clarify. I was not. Uh, I, I didn't think you meant Nintendo made, Justin. You thought I meant NES. No, you, you said a Nintendo oh. cartridge. Oh. I meant like so a yeah. cartridge on a Nintendo platform. No, I get it. I get it. Yeah. I got that. Yeah, understood. Um, I mean, I, I don't know. It could be like ActRaiser, something weird like that. Didn't we just have that? Yeah, uh, I, I can't remember. Um, what I, I need to know what console it's on. So there's only really two other cartridge-based ones, but then there's handheld. So do you want to eliminate handheld, or do you want to go with the console? Well, it is hard mode. I don't know what that is. Is this a handheld game? Yes. Oh my goodness. But then there's DS, 3DS, Advance, Switch. Is this game 
Uh, was this game originally released on a console with two screens? Yes. Mm. This is insane. <laughs> it's happening. It's happening. Yeah. Okay, was this originally released on a console that had 3D? Yes. Okay, so it's an original 3DS game. It's a 3DS game! Yeah. And it was on 3DS, and it was, it's a weird, hard game to get. And uh, it's top-down, you kind of or God's Eye View, uh, not made by Nintendo. It's maybe. We don't know that. Um, you, you sometimes control a human. Yeah, that's got to mean multiple characters, right? Do you control do you control multiple characters at the same time? No. Okay, so you're just switching okay. between characters. But it's still top-down view, interesting. You're just switch you're switching. You're switching between multiple characters. Do you think, do you think it's Super Mario 3D World? That's what I was thinking about. That's exactly what I was thinking about. I don't know why that would be hard mode. It'd be 3D land, though. 3D land, yeah. Oh, yeah, it wouldn't be. Um, but we don't know if it's a Nintendo. Is this a Nintendo-published game? No. That's I, 15. I, I also think everyone in 3D land is human. <laughs> it's unclear. It really is. Toad might not be. Ooh, it's weird. <laughs> um, so it's not... Wait, so wait. We just It was not Nintendo-made. Yeah, it's but just it's some third-party game on 3DS, of which, like, you know... The temptation to use my computer to cheat is strong. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, Chinatown, I'm trying to think what you could possibly... Like, maybe it's like a Chinatown Wars-type game? But that wasn't on 3DS. Yeah, I mean, I did. I owned oh, and liked mean. my 3DS, but I didn't, you know, I didn't get, like, deep into that library, so I don't... I mean, was this game developed by a company in the United States? A developer in the United States? No. Yeah, I don't. I I'm, I can't hardly even remember my 3ds. <clears throat> Could it be a Monster Hunter? Are those all? Are those all behind the person th- third person mode? Yeah. Um. Oh my goodness. It's I mean, so hard to think of the 3DS library this way. Was oh uh, did this a, uh, uh, did this score highly? Yes. So popular or not necessarily popular, but a critically acclaimed 3DS game that we it's probably on our top 25 games list. Would it be if it's on hard mode? Yeah, I don't know. Um, we we were doing so well. Yeah. Yeah, you guys got a lot of them. A lot of little uh, elements. I still uh, feel like there's something within the strategy realm to be explored. I agree. I'm, 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 trying to, I'm wondering if it's like, you know, I don't know, like a Final Fantasy Tactics game. They were both on GBA, but like, you know, something like that. What's what would be a question about strategy or genre that we could use? I mean, I can't even I can't even think of any of those games on the 3DS. That's so like it's not going to be useful for me. And it's Japanese too, which is weird. Well, not um, American. Oh yeah, yeah. Japanese. Yeah, that's true. Um, should we just ask if it has strategy elements to it, or RPG elements, or something like that? When you does this, when you hit or attack things in this game, are there numbers? Do you see numbers popping out? I don't know. I can't answer that. It's not a strategy game. There's no there's no numbers. Possibly still an RPG though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 
And you well, you're actually not controlling multiple characters at once. He said you're switching between characters. Mm. I don't know. This is so yeah. difficult. And, yeah. uh, and we might not know the game, too. What, was there like a mana game on the 3DS? You're usually switching between characters in those games, aren't you? Right, yeah. Um, does this What's game it? have... Uh, you said it doesn't, doesn't know about the number, so it's probably not RPG. Was there a Crystal Chronicles on the 3DS? Not that I can recall. But like, are power those... defense, too, because you could control a human and then control a building, technically, or control, like... Yeah, a, a tank I, or a vehicle or something. We can ask if it's a Square Enix game, but I just can't think of what that would be if that was the case. I'm feeling really messed up by... I have a 3DS, and I love my 3DS, and I cannot think of any 3DS game besides, like, Mario 3D Land. Like, I know I have... Like, if I open it, that's in this drawer right here. Hey, can we phone a console? <clears throat> um, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to peek in my drawer. Let's <laughs> phone a console. Phoning a handheld. Yeah, phoning a drawer. Um, wow. What about... Uh, what, uh, it, do, should we yeah. ask like if, if it's sci-fi or fantasy? I mean, I, I've given up, so... <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh! It could, be, uh, it could be Fire Emblem. Yeah, but it's what Nintendo was the... published. We got rid oh. of those. Damn it. I was so happy for a sec. Switching characters is the really confusing thing, and and you're not always a human either. What about like a what about a Pokemon game? They're not technically made by Nintendo. Yeah, I don't think he would pull that on us. Although we got screwed on that recently. Again, no um, hard mode. Yeah. How about well, I don't know? Like, let's just go. It, um, I kind of want to know if it's like who made the game, and if we get really lucky. Yeah. Yep. Two questions and a guess. Okay. Is this a? Is I don't even know. I, I wish I knew what if it was Japanese question? or not. What's that? What do you, wait, what was your question? If it's Japanese or not? Yeah. It's probably Japanese. Yeah, it probably is Japanese. Um, does this have uh, realistic graphics? No. See, I think it's like... Oh, man, what if it has pixel art or really cute graphics? We might be able to get that thing. Um, yeah. Is this a spin-off game? Um... Pretty good question. Like, are you asking, like, is this a spinoff of a mainline series? Ah, whoa, that's tough. Kind <laughs> of. I'll say kind of. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> and that brings you to your guess. And I'll give you an incredible hint before your guess. Please. I don't know. Please I don't know that we've ever mentioned this game a single time on this show. <laughs> oh. Okay. So, throughout everything you know that we've ever talked about on this show, however, it is a game that, given where you work, you probably know what the game what the game this is. Okay, so not any of our <laughs> types of games. Great. Oh, <laughs> well, I mean, we've definitely talked about talked about Box Boy on this show, so it's not that. I could also re- I could also reveal the game if we're yeah, go ahead at, and at that point. Yeah. Uh, who remembers Project Cross Zone? Oh yeah, the 3DS. Yeah, if Capcom, bunch of the, Capcom characters in it. Capcom, uh, Sega, and Bandai Namco characters in a turn-based strategy game. Okay. Wow. They made a. They that was also when I remember the Jump games being popular. That was like a similar thing. Jump. Right? Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, that's an anime crossover, right? Can we go back to the easy one? Yeah, I made, <laughs> we made a mistake. <laughs> we can do the easy one if you want. <sighs> yeah. How easy is it? <laughs> yeah, seriously. Much easier than the last one. All right, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. Lightning round. Yeah. We'll do it. Here we go. Okay. Kevin O, let the questioning begin. Is it from after 2000? Yes. Is it, is on, it Switch? on Switch? <laughs> no. Not we, on know, Switch. we know how to win. Is it, uh, go, ahead. go ahead. Is it an exclusive? No. Is it on current? If is, is it on PS4 or Xbox One? It's, yes. Such a tricky question these days, though. Anything could be a yeah. port or whatever. I regret. I regret <laughs> like, fra- phrasing it that way. <laughs> Yeah, was it released on? Was it originally released on? We could probably start changing it to that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, is there multiplayer in this game? Yes. That's five. Was it mm, developed you know, in the United States? No. From here on out, I'm gonna change the multiplayer question to is multiplayer a primary part of this experience? Yeah, I like that one. It's so subjective. Um it, a little it, bit. Uh, yeah, for sure. Um, did this come out on a disc-based medium? Yes. So not not indie downloady stuff. It's part of a series. Yes, they are. Okay. Wait. Yeah, I answered your question, even if you weren't really asking it. It's okay. Did, I was did it get good it. scores? Yes. But I'm having a hard time. We still don't know. Was this game on the PlayStation Three originally? Yes. Okay. That's 10. Okay, so last gen. Soon to be yeah, last, last gen. First party or anything? No. But well, it was multiplayer. Or not, multi, it was multi-console. Oh, okay. So multi-console game from the PS3 and 360 generation developed in Japan. It has multiplayer. No, no, no. Just not developed in the United States. Did the company that makes this uh, have E3 press conferences? Yes. Is the company Ubisoft? <laughs> yes. Ooh. Yeah, Damon saved us. Yeah. yeah. All right. We didn't narrow it down. Kind of weird for Ubisoft, right? Is it a Tom um, Clancy game? No. Uh, that's, that's, that's a smart question to eliminate stuff from Ubisoft. I thought for sure it was Ghost Recon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that, uh, they don't have a huge amount of games with multiplayer in them. No, I don't even think the Far Cry's have multiplayer, do they, or do they? No one, no one play, no one's playing them for the, that reason. Yeah, exactly. No, or they might have. Of... They might have had. That was not last gen, was it, or was it? That was this gen, was it? What Watch Dogs? Yeah. Uh, two mm. certainly was. Maybe one was last gen. Yeah, I, I can't even, remember I can't... now. Yeah. Yeah, that's probably it. Does it have multiplayer elements in it? You already asked that. No, no, no. I'm asking you guys. <laughs> Does Watch Dogs have multiplayer? Watch Dogs, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it had that weird, like, uh, you know, it had that weird thing where you could, like, hack something and then someone had to come into your game. It had that thing that Ubisoft, oh, you know, it could be, it could be like Assassin's Creed, you know, where, like, they had those weird modes where, like, they weren't really multiplayer, but, like, other people can come into your game right. for a little bit. Really? They have that does, in does, does it have a weird multiplayer mode where someone can, like, come into your game for a little bit and, like, fuck around, but it's not, like, traditional, normal multiplayer? Um, hmm, what is that what? <laughs> Let's see. Is this, is this exactly. game has, 
while you're waiting, does this have sci-fi elements? <laughs> no. Okay, it's not Assassin's it's Creed. It's not Assassin's Creed or Watch Dogs. Watch Dogs. What the hell? What are there, we have like the Rabbids games? Could be Rayman. Oh yeah. Could, is it a platformer? No. Oh, it's fifteen. Oh boy. They ma- I mean, they made they made like a Prince of Persia last gen too, and a Splinter Cell. But Splinter Cell is uh Tom Clancy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They made that really gorgeous Prince of Persia game. The game's really underrated. The reboot that nobody liked. Man. And it's part of a series. Just Dance technically has multiplayer. Yeah. So wait, so, so it's really not fun. it could be Just Dance. You should ask. That'd be a weird one though. Yeah, which year? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Who the hell remembers? <laughs> <laughs> wow, that'd be really mean. That's so yeah, mean. seriously, which it's, just it's a, well okay. Well wait, so it's not Tom Clancy and it's not Rayman or Assassin's Creed or Watchdog since they have sci fi elements. So, I'm, I I I I don't know. <laughs> Is this a game in the Prince of Persia series? No. I'm sure there are series that like long-standing series that we're forgetting about. Yeah, there must be. Does UB have licenses that they were making licensed games on? Uh, I, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Like all I have is Rabbids still. It could be rabbits. It could be well, yeah, because they're not yeah. platformers. Mm. But that was on Wii primarily. I just don't think I don't think of the PlayStation Three as a place that would have had that. But maybe with Move Controller BS, I don't know. We still don't even know what like type of game it is, right? Genre wise, mm-hmm. except for the multiplayer part. Yeah. Wow, I didn't realize this would be hard mode. Yeah, seriously. No. Do you play as a human? Yes. Not rabbits. Yeah. They made... I mean, they make strategy games. None of them are on PS3, but like Settlers, games like that are... Ano, those are... You guys they should... Make, rem- you should remember that you're playing on easy mode. What does that mean? It should be easy. But it's not. <laughs> There's also a hack you can use. Do, yeah, it's, it's probably Assassin's Creed. Did we mention it already? I don't know why no, he's wait. a sci-fi elephants in it, though. Well, but it could be... So, uh, maybe maybe one of the Far Cries does have some multiplayer mode that was not very popular. Yeah, I guess It's so. a shooter. Far Cry is the one that we haven't really tried yet. Aren't those sci-fi-y? No. No. They're just weird. Okay. I mean, well, then one, it's Far Cry 3. But it's not right? really known for it. It's probably Far Cry 3. What was the bear's name in the last Far Cry game? H- hamburger? Hot Dog? <laughs> Yeah. Do you remember, David? Um, uh, I don't remember. Take, does this take place on a tropical island? Yes. Mm-hmm. Far Cry. Do you do you mark people's heads and then figure out a way to infiltrate their <laughs> outpost and take them all out one by one? No, now you yes. need to know which. Yes. Far Cry. <laughs> is it Far Cry Three? Yes, it is. The twentieth question. There we go. Yeah, I'm sure there's some half baked multiplayer mode that they added. Well, in there. it took us 40 <laughs> questions, but we got an answer. You didn't yeah, even look it up. I don't think it, they came. The multiplayer part. Yeah, it's like it's Far um, Cry Three. Yeah, what is multiplayer. the multiplayer? Massive Entertainment handled the game's multiplayer. Uh, it's like there's a PVE and a cooperative mode. I don't know. It's it's but hard yeah. to find the details. <laughs> I, I need to start tweaking that question because that definitely yeah. threw me no, off. Like, shooters, or... 
I think we offline talked about that too. I think that's like a good idea. Yeah. Go Got to fine tune it. Yeah. Cram <clears throat> as many details in there as possible. I don't know if you guys know this, but we have uh, pre-planning uh, meetings quarterly for uh, the best questions to choose. And, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We, we, we it's been a while, right? Like it's, it's I think our, ours is coming up in September. So we'll be okay. there. Uh, when you type in Far Cry 3 multiplayer into Google, you get IGN.com with an extensive, extensive multiplayer guide. We have maps yeah. and uh, all yeah. the different but modes I didn't write it. Yeah, where were you then, Sam? I didn't write it. <laughs> it's okay. We'll work in our in our postmort for this episode. We'll workshop where where everything went wrong. Okay. Was we got it right. Yeah, we oh, yeah. got there in the end with uh, not too many questions to spare. <laughs> he had to tell us it was easy several so, times. Yeah. So can Kevin O at you or not, Sam? Uh, the first, yes, you can. Yeah. Okay, okay. All right. You can only ha- at half of us because we got. And one I got at it last week. Did you guys? I don't know if he tagged everybody in it. No, no I don't. I don't think I saw it. Mm. He said, anyway, he sent me his favorite scene from uh, episode two, Attack of the Clones, and I had, <laughs> I had to comment on it, which was which was great. Is his favorite scene? I hate sand. <laughs> no, that's my favorite scene. It was when Anakin gets all chopped up. <laughs> Um. Well, that's that's in Revenge of the Sith. Anyway, oh sorry, uh, I meant Revenge yeah. of the Sith. No, I can't remember now. Anyway, thank you for the suggestion, Kevin O. Uh, remember, you can always send uh, your suggestions to me at uh, the email address gamescoop at ign.com. That is all the scoops that we have for you this week. Thank you to Justin, Tina, and Sam. My name is Damon. This is IGN Gamescoop, and we're out.
In a world saturated with glossy facades comes a podcast that's breaking barriers. This is Reppin. It's where we do a deep dive into subjects like belonging, to mental health, to courage, and more. On Reppin, you'll meet the faces you think you know and discover their untold stories. It's real. It's intimate. And it gives you insight into the real person behind the images. In a world of pretense, Reppin strips it all down. No filters, no facades. Learn and be empowered and find inspiration through thought-provoking stories that resonate with your journey. Every episode is an exploration into the truths and values that make us who we are. Representation, it's not just about race or gender. It's about you. Reppin ensures that every voice is heard. Every story is valued. So be seen, be heard, and be represented. Listen to Reppin wherever you get your podcasts.